0: The following podcast is brought to you by the Creative Arts Curriculum Team from Secondary Learners Educational Standards Directorate of the New South Wales Department of Education. As we commence this podcast today, let us acknowledge the traditional custodians of all the lands on which this podcast will be played around New South Wales. Their art, storytelling, music and dance, along with all First Nations people, Hold the memories, the traditions, the culture, and hopes of Aboriginal Australia. Welcome to the Creative Cast podcast series. I'm Jackie King, and I'm a Creative Arts Project Officer with the New South Wales Department of Education. Today we are having a drama subject chat with Bradley McDonald from Whitebridge High School and Daniel Kavanagh from Newtown High School of Performing Arts. Hi, Daniel and Bradley. Thank you for joining us today.
1: No worries. (laughs) Thanks, Jack.
0: Today we are going to uh, have a bit of a dive into making and play building and various approaches to teaching, making and play building in your schools. Uh, But before we started, I wanted to just get a bit of a background information on the schools that you teach at. So Daniel, could you start by giving us a little bit of information on Newtown High School of
1: Performing Arts? Yeah. So Newtown high school of performing arts has been a performing arts high school since 1990. It is still a local school as well. So we have a performing arts focus and a stream of performing arts where we audition students in dance, drama or music. And we also have a local intake as well. Now all the students here are exposed to performing arts programs that we have. We kind of have this view of once you're in, you're in and everybody, is treated um, like a performing arts student here. So we have quite a lot of students. Our usual intake for a cohort is about, uh, I think our next year's Year 7 is about 191. So wow. we're quite large, yeah. And uh, we have anywhere between you know, three to four HSC classes for drama each year. That's
0: huge. And do you have drama across Stage 4, 5 and 6?
1: Yeah, so we um, expose all of our students to all of the performing and creative arts in Year 7. So that's compulsory there, and then they can start to choose it as part of their elective path through that. So the numbers in year seven, we have a class for every single year seven class, and then we normally come down to about maybe three or four year eight classes, and then three or four year nine and year 10, and all the way through.
0: Fantastic. So Bradley, you're obviously not at a performing arts high school. What does drama look like at Whitebridge High School?
2: Thanks, Jackie. Yes, Whitebridge is in the Lake Macquarie area next to Newcastle. So we're quite interesting as a school in the, next, in the last two years. We've tried to grow the drama and all the performing arts by sort of doing or following a model that that the performing arts high schools follow. So HSPA and where Daniel is in Newtown, they allow year seven students to get a chance to look at all the performing arts. So two years ago, we in- initiated a course called Performance Art and I've been piloting that for two years, which allows all year seven and then all year eight students to be involved in a trimester where they do some arts some music, and then I take them with a focus on dance, drama, and I bring in music and art aspects as well. And so that's giving them a taste of all the performing and uh, creative arts to help boost those numbers in drama and dance uh, when they become electives uh, later on, which has been beneficial. We've grown uh, year eight and year nine drama this year. Uh, we're pretty fortunate that a lot of the executive here are supportive of the, the arts because this is predominantly a sports high school. You know, most of our kids are really sporty orientated And the arts have been very difficult for us to grow in the last or seven years. But this is an opportunity to allow us to, you know, invest in in the arts uh, at this school, which has been wonderfully received by, you know, students, teachers and the wider community.
0: That's fantastic. I love that idea because in many schools, like drama can be an elective in stage four, but it's not necessarily something that's taught. I know in the school that I was at, Curry High School, drama was an elective in stage four, but then they actually took electives out of year eight. And so we lost that ability to do drama. But we, we did get four periods of cycle where we got a subject called Kappa Project and I guess it sounds a little bit similar to what you're doing where we we made sort of a cross-curricular program where we we covered dance, drama, music and art. So is that sort of what you're doing, like a cross-curricular sort of projects in, in your subject in stage four?
2: Yeah, yeah. Year seven last year, we looked at sort of a conceptual idea of, you know, how do art makers bring an awareness to social issues in their world? So it allowed kids to look at the way that dancers and fine artists as well as dramatic performances uh, give a, a voice to you know, a particular artist's perspective on an issue. So the kids picked quite wide issues and then found ways to represent them. A lot of them were through play building, which yeah. was great for me as a drama teacher. But some wanted to do songs and TikTok dances and some choreography too. And, and so it was really quite diverse in terms of the project. And in terms of outcomes, we really weren't so pressed mm-hmm. to find... Or align them to any particular syllabus but really just looking at how we can bring all the strands of performance through those those art forms um and allow kids just to create you know with, with the same sort of conceptual focus so it's it's been quite good it was a little challenging with year seven because some of the issues they wanted to explore we maybe not usually look at till a bit later <laughs> um, so then in year eight this year when we brought them full, we've sort of Sort of turned it around and we've looked at the way that storytelling has transformed over over time and that has allowed us to bring an Indigenous perspective um, as, as well as looking at the way you know literature as well as you know painting dance song chanting you know any type of storytelling has been able to communicate and, and part of what it is to be human and the kids have really enjoyed that and it's, it's always brought us back to nursery rhymes and fairy tales so it started off quite Big and historical, and now it's it 's really focused about what are the stories you had as a kid? What do you love about them? How can we then use them as a as a stimulus to create, which is what we do in drama so it 's been good for me
0: I love that idea bradley that 's awesome we 're going to dive today into the practice of making which is obviously one of the important things within the syllabus and the essential context of that is obviously play building so I was wondering if one of you were able to talk about why you feel that is important and how you approach that with your classes if you want to go first Daniel.
1: Uh, Yes. So with us, like, I mean, play building, of course, is, you know, it's it's a compulsory part of the curriculum and the syllabus. So it is already an inherent focus of the subject. But what we've been doing, particularly with our Year 7, because we've actually now, we're going through a bit of a restructure in terms of our curriculum here at school. So Year 7 can quite often get forgotten everyone's focused on the HSC, but what our current principal has done is she has decided that we're going to focus on stage four if we're going to make these big changes to the way that the school operates. So there's been a lot of attention being paid to the work that kids in year seven do. And luckily for drama, people are now starting to ask us a lot about the processes that we look at in our drama classroom in order to help them engage students in their KLA. So there's been a lot of cross-curricular kind of content that's been taught, I know that Hizzy are really interested in getting students to use their drama skills because we've got you know naturally we have a bunch of kids here that have reasonably you know highly developed skills for kids their age and you know kids who are still exploring that so for us we don't necessarily look at play building as like a form or as a, a topic or a part of the content we look at it as part of the process and it's one of the processes that we look at with the four c's approach that we're taking with our school and when we think about all the creative arts like bradley had um, mentioned before they are you know means of communication so when we start using that kind of language it really kind of kind of sparks the interest of teachers in other subjects and also too with parents as well because quite often parents have a bit of an un, a kind of underdeveloped understanding of what we do in the creative arts they kind of go well you're not going to be an actor so why would you pick drama but we, we kind of train the kids very early on to say well I'm using my teamwork skills here and my ability to negotiate how a group works in order to do that in English in order to do that in hizzy so they're kind of learning a lot of those general capabilities as well so we kind of use it to tick all those boxes and so we kind of start by looking at what the social purpose of theatre is. And that might sound a little bit kind of technical for, for little 12-year-olds, but they come to us from primary school and they're really energised and they've got lots of ideas and lots of things they want to say about the world. And so if we harness that kind of energy, then the process of playbuilding itself doesn't become, oh, you're going to make a play about something and you're just showing us how you can use the space and show us your elements of drama. You're actually saying something. So we really have them thinking about, well, what do we want to say and then we explore the process of play building and going, well, here are some tools we can use to do that.
0: Wonderful. I love that you've linked in the four C's there. I had done a little bit of work with the the four C's and transforming schools as well. And when I started that, I used to think, oh, these are just drama games. And I think drama really does delve into bringing out all of those skills, those team building skills, those communication skills. And I love that you're both talking about how it is just a vehicle for telling a story or communicating a message, which is fantastic. So I think we have sort of touched on our approaches a little bit to stage four. But is there any sort of activities or program ideas that you would really like to share about how you teach making or play building in Stage 4?
2: Yeah, I just think Daniel's approach and their school's approach is really an interesting way that now people are starting to look at at drama. And you look at the focus of the new reforms in the curriculum, that heavy focus on significance, why does it matter, trying to get the kids to connect with what skill can I obtain here that's going to help me beyond school? And a lot of the time in drama, we've done it forever. You know, we've taught kids actually how to cooperate and collaborate to think critically to work as a team. And if you don't teach the kids explicitly how to do those things, it's one thing to say, go and do a group task, but unless you say, well, we need to learn how to listen first and offer ideas and then support those ideas and further those ideas. And that's just improvisation. You know, that's just accepting and extending on an offer and trying not to block. And, and so we've done that for a while. So it's, it's interesting that, that Daniel has said as well that so many other faculties are coming to us going, oh, that's great that you do that. And that skill is transferable. The kids are starting to see that as well. And I've changed the way that I look at theater games. I, I love games. I think in stage four, that's the most important part is to look at the elements of drama and introducing the technical language, that you know, the meta language that's appropriate for our, our particular KLA. But I've tried to move away from using the word games and moving just to exercises because the exercises we do are based in a theoretical underpinning. You know, So what we do has a history a discrete body of knowledge that follows it from you know, hundreds of years from across the world. And so when we start to understand that that exists unto itself, that has allowed us to use these activities or exercises to develop these skills or to understand how theatre has grown or developed or the importance of it, the kids start to think differently because then it shapes uh, how others perceive the subject like parents' underdeveloped understanding of of drama, as Daniel said, is about trying to say, well, my kid does drama, they do games. It's like, we do more than that. You know, it's like PE, they don't just kick balls. You know, like there's there's a lot more to our subject. And it starts to get more valued when you start to reshape and reframe people's thinking and perspective about what we do in the space. And I love building that curiosity around, you know, the stuff that we do in here is often loud and boisterous and kids are curious. You know, they come to the door and they stick their head in with a lot of activities. And I tend to do a lot of things that either shake the foundations. uh, So the kids below us say, look, you were shaking our projector. I'm like, well, you should choose a different subject. You know, come upstairs, you know, be part of that stomping. So, I mean, that's mainly my stage five. I really love my physical theater in stage five, but stage four drama, I did a bit of clowning. I was just writing a few things down. So I look at, you know, heavily scaffolded, Steps with play building Uh, initially, you know, rather than just sending them off, we might start with freeze frames and tableaus and/or a list of ingredients. So you might include this line of dialogue, start with this photo. I want you to create a character with these particular attributes and if you start to give them a little bit of uh, ingredients and shape then they can go away and manipulate that and then present ideas. It doesn't have to be a linear narrative like it's really just about playing and seeing what you can do under a time limit with a you know a few skills and then start to refine them and by the end of stage um, four I've sort of moved on to a little individual monologue task some kind of group performance uh, and I might look at the Stanislavski and just sort of method acting, you know. By the end of stage four, um, to bring in some theory rather than saying that this is just all random exercises, you know, trying to connect some of that that theory together, and then saying, well, now there's different ways to approach this once you've got these skills. So year seven's different because of the course I'm running, but the idea in year eight is to try and get them to enjoy it enough to pick it in stage five, you know. Absolutely. Part of the gamble is that with. You know, this school has a lot of sport. Um, We've cooking, woodwork, engineering, robotics. You know, there's so many uh, for grab because we've got um, 100-hour courses in Year 9 on off. There's a smorgasbord of options. So they only allow the classes to get up if they're, you know, over about 15 to 20. And that can sometimes be a hard push in a comprehensive school like this where there, you know, there is really in the community not a a deep passion or love of the theatre. People go and visit hardly anyone reads plays you know we see that in English many kids first experience with a play script is in year seven English a lot of the time so we're fighting against a cultural thing as well but once the absolutely. kids absolutely they certainly um, have picked it up in year nine ten eleven and twelve so
0: so what do your stage five courses look like at Whitebridge do you get many electives up? for drama
2: at Whitebridge High School? Uh, ch- it changes. Over the, I'm here nine years. I've had I've had two stints at, at HSPA, but been here mainly for nine years. And in that time, we do have every number, sort of every two years, we'll get a cohort of kids that either do it at some of the uh, local theatre companies. We've got sort of um, some Hunter Drama and we've got Th- Tantrum Theatre, um, Young People's Theatre in town in Newcastle. So some of our kids do that and then they join together, which is great. Um, so they've already got, an understanding and a sort of love or interest um, to then join us without those skill sets, sometimes fall out of love very early. So I reckon every two years we get a wave of kids and I've had two cohorts that have sort of followed me from year eight to year 12. And it's those kids that you develop. I mean, that was my best HSC year ever by the time you worked with them every year building them through because if kids drop in and out of the course then sometimes they can miss some of the foundational skills. I do a lot of physical theatre, commedia LRT and neutral mask, bar mask, greek mask. I love playing with with character in year nine and ten. Uh, we looked at sort of we look at Brecht, study a play in detail and then we sort of do an IPGP which is the sort of the standard norm to give them a chance to do something by themselves and I introduced not just monologue I really try to get year 9 and 10 to play with some lights and costume and sound just because normally year 11 you're introduced that and and kids haven't had a chance to actually try those skills out before year 11 so um, and that has allowed me a great opportunity to allow them to run their own race as opposed to having a class of 25 where resources are scarce.
0: You mentioned some of those drama classes that outside of school drama classes. And I figured that's possibly where you guys would differ a fair bit. Daniel, do you have a lot of students who do drama classes outside of school?
1: Well, yeah, coming from Newcastle, the culture there is that, you know, it's it's great to be a drama teacher because you can rely on all that external experience that the kids have. And it's just, I think, Novocastrians are just so lucky in terms of the amount of opportunities they have there for their students and it also makes your job easier in the classroom because the kids are getting so much more experience but down here there's not quite as much as of that kind of locally for us and I was a bit surprised when I came down here the lack of that culture around like I mean there is ATYP and NIDA run classes as well there are a few things around but they're not It's not as prevalent in our area. And so to kind of take the place of that, we actually run an extension program in the afternoons, our um, co-curricular program where we run drama companies and ensembles. And essentially that is like going to a class at Young People's Theatre or Hunter Drama or Tantrum or one of those places and you work towards a performance outcome. So for us, it's the opportunity to give our kids more performance opportunities to do. And they work with a professional director on a project and they put that on in our theater in a professional environment. So uh, that kind of means that we can use that opportunity to help kind of upskill our kids so that they've kind of got that opportunity you don't necessarily have the time to look at in the classroom. Cause when you kind of put together a, a well-structured curriculum, it, it gives you a little wiggle room in terms of just giving the kids experiences. want to do as many things you can with every unit of work that you teach so for us with stage five we kind of dump kids with a lot of information about different forms and styles so we go straight into all of them so we kind of do a bit of a history of theater in year nine and kind of go from greek through to shakespeare through to commedia through to realism and naturalism then a bit of brecht we move towards absurdism so that kind of carries them through year nine and ten and we've got the luxury of having them often enough and having students so many times a week here that we're able to give them a a pretty decent knowledge of that. And so by the time they get to stage six, they've got all of that in the back of their heads. And so the performance work they do inherently is more kind of grounded in their knowledge of all of that. So they intuitively start to make choices in their performance work that you don't have to necessarily teach them in terms of particularly things like stagecraft and conventions and techniques and things like that. They don't know what, they don't know how to name them quite often, but they just, they naturally do them. Cause uh, yeah, the stage six curriculum in itself is kind of designed in a way that people can kind of just jump in who've never done drama before. So that's a big, that's a big leap from our students who've been with us all the way through year seven to the kids that sometimes join us in year 11. And they quite often go, holy cow, you guys know so much because we've been pouring it into them from from year 9 and 10. And we also have an extension class that we run as well in year 9 and 10. So students get oh. like a double of drama. So it's like an, another elective.
0: Wow, that's really yeah. cool. So you have three or four elective classes in year 9 and 10 and then an extension or an extension is a part of that?
1: Extension runs as part of that. So usually it's probably t- uh, maybe two drama classes and then two extension classes on top of that as well. So And we're kind of in the middle of a bit of a rethink about the way we structure that for the timetable because schools are always constantly um, reassessing the way that they deliver stuff. But for us, we've found that that's really, that's great. So in a way, like, I mean, kids here, if they do extension drama, we can kind of get through the 200-hour course in one year. So by the time they get to year 10, they've got more knowledge than then they would have had they just been doing drama. as just one subject. We've got a lot of opportunities to then kind of sit back and explore some of those other performance opportunities, look at different processes, spend a lot of time with them on script writing. We go in depth in a few different performance styles and all that sort of stuff as well. And that's a real, real luxury for us to be able to do that. I think the kids here have no idea how lucky they are because <laughs> it's like, oh, I've oh, got so much drama. And like, so it is, yeah, it's great to be able to do that. Ultimately, our, our bread and butter is making sure that the the, the core Skills and knowledge that students have in year nine and ten is carried all the way through, and then everything else just gets to be extra cake decorating, really.
0: (laughs) They never realise how lucky they are. Ever. You've talked about how, and I'll just delve into this because you've touched on it a little bit, how students are able to jump stage five if they so choose. And obviously your stage five four sounds very in-depth, Daniel, given that they're able to do extension as well. How do you sort of deal with the gap if you've got students coming into stage six who haven't done what your stage five students
1: look the great thing with us is that we have the opportunity for those students to also participate in our co-curricular program so if they come to us in year 11 they're usually being auditioned as well so there's an interest there they usually have done some drama at their previous school quite often we get kids auditioning because they say well my local school's not running drama next year in year 11 because we didn't get a class so that does happen a bit too and kids do tend to move around a bit when things like that happen but I kind of look at year 11 is meant to be this for us, the way we see it, it's kind of like this big level up where you kind of go, right. Okay. So you guys know all of that stuff there, but in terms of what we're expecting out of you now is everybody has to take a step up so you can come in at the side and think about the collaborative nature of drama is that kids rely on other kids. So if we have a kid come in in year 11 and they might not necessarily have done it in year nine or 10 and they don't know anything about Brecht, the other kids, We'll be able to teach them and be able to explain to them what those techniques are in order for them to get through what we do in that course. So they don't necessarily have to write essays on Brecht or absurdism in year 11 because we'll do another unit of something else. But they will bring that stuff as their kind of ancillary learning, which will kind of come in throughout the process of working with other kids. And that kind of happens through all the making outcomes that we have is that the kids tend to go well you know why don't you try doing this in this performance and go down there and then you can use direct address to the audience and they go okay well what's that and say well i'm glad you asked we'll tell you all about it because we know so do take advantage of the fact that the kids can teach each other Um, and also quite often we'll create opportunities within the curriculum that the kids do have to rely on each other a lot to do that so it's not just us doing it but i think any drama teacher will be planning those sorts of learning activities all the way through so that their kids do become a bit independent in terms of their learning and that they drive it forward and again that's what makes what we say to the the kids that's what makes drama an essential subject for year 11 and 12 is because you're learning how to do all your other subjects here in the classroom here
0: Okay. So finally, let's have a look at making or play building in stage six. So Bradley, I'm going to jump to you now. How do you tackle making and play building in stage six? Obviously, they've got the group performance, which is the mandatory part of what they've got to do in stage six. So do you want to take us through how you approach that?
2: In order to give them the best opportunity to move forward, that idea that you need to do activities early on just to build that collaboration and that rapport with one another and and get them to realize how much they rely on each other. Uh, In year 11, we had up here uh, for a number of years It was a mind play competition run by Hunter New England Health. I built that because that was a GP task with a great focus. We had parameters. We had our professional uh, healthcare workers come in. Tantrum Youth Arts often had script writers willing to do sessions. So that was a really great way for bringing all kids together, whether or not they had a dramatic background in previous stages and focus on a task that then they showcased to quite a broad audience. But that since has been put on hold. So the GP... Um, by picking the groups um, and and then just playing around by making mistakes, looking at different um, stimulus items, like giving them a bunch of equipment to work with uh, and then allowing another group to have a free for all, like not giving them any parameters and just watching, watching what they do. And a lot of the time you're just like a donjem car, you just bump them back every time they get off track or they're spinning the wrong way. But certainly having worked in a performing arts high school, as opposed to the comprehensive high school here, the kids sometimes here aren't as focused or determined. And Daniel did touch on it earlier that when the kids come in, they learn from their peers. And sometimes you just need to watch the standard of your peer and how committed they are to learning their monologue or being involved in driving that group project. And a part of them just goes, oh, they've set the benchmark here. So I better live up to that because the teacher can have the highest of expectations as as we do, but often the peers have far more influence on each other in terms of, mate, I'm here to do well. You know, I'm driven, look at my monologue, and so someone looks at that and sees the standard and quality, and then, you know, they up their game, they become more invested, and that's great to see. But if you get a class of perhaps more apathetic kids who really need you to drive every moment of it, it can be quite a tiring and testing year and by the end of it, you've got as many tears as they do and dollars in the swear jar, but you get to that HSE day and you just and it, you just say that was so worth it, you know. The journey and the process is far more important than the product and if the kids um, can realise that, I think they take that beyond school and they remember their HSE year because of the way it taught them resilience and it taught them how to be flexible and, and those skills that we hope that will serve them well beyond school is far more than whatever you know, parameter they've built around some stimulus in 12 minutes in the HSE.
0: Fantastic and daniel i don't know that we did touch on how you approach making for all the group performance particularly for stage six so mm-hmm. do you want to just take us through your approaches to stage six
1: so, well i think i alluded before we, we kind of talk about play building not necessarily as a form although it kind of can sort of fulfill some of those things but really it, it is a process and so we kind of look at that process through other content so all the way through we are teaching them about different forms and styles while using a play building process. And so we really structure that for them along the way. And so we kind of really look at the first phase of play building as rather than using the word brainstorming, which has become a bit, well, a bit daggy and it kind of inspires kind of groans whenever we say it in our classroom, because it just means kids sitting around with their log books, drawing little clouds and sticks coming off them. And, and you're kind of like, well, what's the purpose of that? We kind of rebrand it, and um, I, I use a lot of the stuff. I read this really great book called Making Theatre. And it talks about generating and exploring is the first. So you don't worry about the piece. You're exploring ideas. You're exploring possibilities. You do it practically. You improvise. You research. You find things. You have those conversations. So we embed activities of lots of different practical senses throughout that. So it's not kids just sitting down going, what's our idea going to be? Because there's nothing less creative than having to sit down and go oh what's an idea because inspiration doesn't work like that and creativity doesn't really work like that but if you give them enough different um, activities to explore they can go right well we've got this big dossier of things we've done we've put them all down in our books and we've figured out what they are we don't have to worry about where it's going yet but we've got it then you move into a, a phase where you look at selecting and structuring you go okay so the idea where we have kind of looks like this bit this bit and this bit here they kind of have a bit they're kind of saying us to us that this is kind of what our piece is about we've kind of inadvertently come up with about, you know let's say three things about environmentalism and so that that seems to be a, a through line so let's explore that let's kind of select those pieces do some more research there start to put that together and see what that looks like And that can lead you right up to like the week before you get them to do a performance outcome because the last stage of it should be the refining of the process and the rehearsal because any play built piece should be as slick as anything that you learn from a script. And so we divide our terms um, when we're doing that content up into those phases so that students are really clear. We don't have to worry about our assessment tasks just yet. We're just exploring. And if you give them that freedom... Which, which is ironically, you kind of go, okay, I'm going to give you a whole bunch of really structured tasks to do this. But the freedom is you don't have to worry about where it's going yet. And so we kind of explore it that way. And we pepper that language all the way through from stage four up to stage six so in year 11 when they have a bit of a dry run at going well this is the group i'd like to work with and we might like to do a piece about this when we we do run a task like that for them but already throughout the other content we've studied in year 11 we've already mixed groups up and we've paired them with each other and we've looked at dynamics um, and we've gotten them to reflect on the process because if they can't explain why they're doing something then the learning, they're not owning the learning. And so we spend a lot of time with critical reflection and said, well, why did we do this? Why did we play that drama game? You know, why did we play ninja? You know, every now and then it's always great to have a game of ninja, but I always stop them at the end and go, right, Okay, why are we doing that? What are we learning by doing this game? And so they always can then identify that. So if you embed that language and that process through them, you give them a a sense, a safety net. So they know where they are in the process. So they don't sit there at the beginning of the term and go, oh my God, we've got to come up with a piece in 10 weeks and we don't know what to do. And they just go, okay, well, we don't have to worry about that now. And so by halfway through the term, if you set those little goals along the way, then it means that the kids can go, yep, we're on track. And I, I, I quite often get them to set their own timeline so they sit down and go, right, by this week, we need to have this. By this week, we need to have this, which means we're okay now. We don't need to make, we don't need to have three scenes written now. We can do that later on. And I think the structuring of it because, yeah, treating it as a process, I think, is the easiest way to stop them kind of panicking about it because they get that sense, like the, the more they sit down and talk about ideas, the longer they sit down and talk about ideas. So I don't even, I don't let them, I just don't let them do that. <laughs>
0: I love that because it can obviously be quite free. And I love that it's not just a free for all, that there is these really structured activities, these goalposts that they've got to hit mm. to, to get to their end goal.
1: And I think a lot of teachers think they've got to let the kids go. But you've got to remember, like, even though you're not necessarily the, the, the focus of that particular unit or the focus of those lessons, you've got to give them the tools and you've got to give them the strategies to be able to do that. So you're always checking in. Like, I mean, you, you wouldn't just be sitting behind your desk, watching them just play for people. Like, I mean, we never do that here. We're always checking in and getting them to reflect on things and show us stuff and explain things to us all along the way. So it kind of, it becomes kind of a bit of like, you know, that kind of process becomes a bit of a, a project based learning kind of model really, because the kids are solving the problem. How are we going to say something about this idea we have in a group performance?
0: Thank you both so much for sharing your drama expertise with us today. I think it's been a fantastic chat and I wish you well in uh, your teaching um, for the rest of the year. We're almost there. So only yet so far. only so yet so far, of course. I'm sure uh, the drama teachers who are listening will be able to take a, a lot away from this conversation.
1: Thanks so much. Yeah, great. Thanks.
0: This podcast was brought to you by the Creative Arts Curriculum Team, Secondary Learners, Educational Standards Directorate of the New South Wales Department of Education. Get involved in the conversation by joining the statewide staff room as a source of all truths regarding curriculum. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Creative Arts Curriculum 7 to 12 or email our curriculum advisor, Catherine Ricketts horvat using the email address creativearts7-12 at det.nsw.edu.au. The music for this podcast was composed by Alex Manton and audio production by Jason King.